Hello, listeners. Welcome to the first ever episode of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. I'm Joel Spence. I'm Deborah Tarika. Wait, are we... Yeah, let's just let's just muck through this. Okay. <laughs> I already messed it up. No, that's okay. I think this is We're human. We're human, right? I have a question yes. for you, Joel. Um what what are we doing here? Ah, well, uh, the inspiration for this came from being on Will Hines and Will Hines, who's our guest today, who you'll I'll introduce in a minute, but maybe you might hear him momentarily. And <laughs> Anthony King's podcast, uh, Don't Get Me Started, where each guest brings in any topic that they love to talk about. I picked uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and in particular, their, de- their <laughs> debut double album, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. And the experience was so uh, exhilarating and cathartic and Maybe it's because I've never had a person to talk to about this al- or, or or have someone's ear for that long to talk about an uh, uh, an album or an artist that I connected with so emotionally and uh, I don't uh, biographically maybe or it was just such a important time of my life that I associate with that album. I thought, well, one other people might like to have that experience that I had and talk about an album that was that they had connected to so. Uh, thoroughly. Uh, and two, um, listeners would connect and remember uh, if, if, if they had similar experiences with a, with a particular album, or maybe they had completely different experiences with an album. Um, and then three, this was this would be a cool way to rediscover an artist, uh, maybe, or or even or even uh, discover an artist that they had overlooked or always wanted to try out. And uh, so this so this is why we're here discussing uh, albums that might be very, very important to our guests. All right. So, Deb, what is our first segment? Our first segment is uh, a little something that we like to call this particular song is very, very important to me. So right out of the gate, we are breaking from <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the MO of the podcast to give it a little <laughs> bit of like, all right. You guys are sick of albums. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's get into the minutia of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're rebels early. <laughs> yeah. And it gives you a chance to get to know us a little bit. Yes. Because, yeah. I, Joel, I want to know what, what particular song is very, very important to you today. Okay. If you're... Uh, I hope the mics can pick up what I've been living with, with for the last couple of years, which is my... Yeah, we're in Joel's apartment, and uh, the upstairs neighbor's playing the Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven on <laughs> piano, which is a hilarious song to hear in the morning. And last year, I went through the most emotionally <laughs> bad time of my life, and that's when... I, should, she, I don't mean to laugh except thinking about no, you <laughs> alone with this song being played. Yes, and at the <laughs> beginning, it was not being played well. Uh, so it was a, she was stumbling through it. And I would be sitting in this apartment looking around at my life that I was not happy about. And meanwhile, Moonlight Sonata was being um, uh, tampered with above me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were probably miserable, but on behalf of God, that's good comedic height. That is good good comedic height. And and you can see how better she has become. Yeah, this is a fine rendition of it. I thought at first you had started playing it. And I was like, that's not the song you said you were going to do. Yeah, under every week, you guys are going to play the Moonlight Sonata to just give an air of gravity and seriousness to you guys talking about Again, this song is very important to me. (laughs) Um, If it's not being picked up by the mics, you have to add it in the background. (laughs) She also... um, uh, Janine is very nice. Uh, she also learned to play a uh, sort of ragtime um, <laughs> number, which uh, is also, when she's playing it well, is really fun. But uh, at the beginning, to hear a ragtime tampered with is 
is also disturbing. And I, I laughed quite a few times. It did provide <laughs> me with comedic yeah. relief through tears. Um, okay, so my song, want me to go first? I shall go yeah. first. My first song is um, from, <clears throat> from a band called The New Pornographers, which I highly recommend. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, if I can... We've been to several concerts of theirs together. I've been to two. Yes, mm-hmm. one at Pappy and Harriet's mm-hmm. and then one at the uh, Ace Hotel's Theater. Mm-hmm. Right? You sat front row center. <laughs> I sat awkwardly. I realized there was, you can sit too close to a concert. Because right? I sat, <laughs> it just so happened that the, the, the nature of where the seats are and where, how high the stage is meant that I felt that everyone was watching me sit and watch a band. We were. Yeah. All right, so this is called Champions of Red Wine. So I love it already. This is the album when they first started using arpeggio synth. They started experiments experimenting with that. This is uh, Brill Bruisers, right? This band is always very joyful to me. Yeah. Like, they just seem to be shamelessly... Im- I don't. Uh, you'd think that every band would do this, but they like melody, and they like catchiness, mm-hmm. and it just sounds fun, man. Mm-hmm. And Nico Case is a... Ugh, her voice is so good. She might be a perfect person. Yeah. She had a tweet this morning that I retweeted that I still, I will not get over for a while, but... Uh, she's very funny, um, but she's and she has the most incredible voice. And I, um, she's singing on this. And the sort of main songwriter, uh, I forget, I'm spacing a- on his name. AC Newman. Yes, AC Newman. Um, I read in some interview that he uh, he wrote this song, and he's he had lyrics, and he was singing it, and um, the Nico Case lyrics and the Nico Case melody that you hear was actually the background of it was like the response to whatever he was singing and he decided it was just fine without him and so he kept she's now the main melody main she should be so why is this particular song very very important to you I don't I don't know what this song is about specifically but I connect to it and I love songs that are like that where it's an endless puzzle but um, emotionally, there's there's regret, there's self-deprecation, there's a futility, and at the same time, there's a humanity. There's trying to reach out. There's trying to connect. There's um, steps I take back to you. So there's something about being drawn back in to a relationship. I think the helplessness of that uh, I connect with chords and the melody and how mesmerizing the production is and the singing uh forgive everything in a way forgive all that that trauma the mistakes of of who you are and then the guitar i mean there's a guitar i don't know why i'm praising a guitar solo but it's so great (laughs) I feel like they do melancholy very well. Yeah. Yes. After that. I, I think her vo- I was going to, I have to contradict myself. I said how joyful they sound because I do think their melodies are so good that it, I think melodies are naturally joyful. Yeah. But her voice just has like that really like moving sadness built into it, mm-hmm. which yes. gives it like this depth and gravity. There's a part at the end that where she sings. 
that high part kills me. I recommend getting this album. I recommend this band. I Which recommend seeing it? them. Uh, Brill Bruisers. Mm. Okay, Deb, what is your particular song that's very, very important to you? Okay, so I, um, I interpreted it a little bit differently. So my song is more connected with a memory mm-hmm. and a, um, a journey, a personal journey mm. that I went on. Um, uh, so my song that I chose is uh, You Don't Know Me by Ray Charles. Then you say hello, and I can hardly speak. And um, Great one. it's one of my all-time favorite songs. It's so brutal. Yeah. The first time I ever heard it was in high school, um, and it was not sung by Ray Charles. It was sung by Jan Arden. Hmm an artist who I only know that song because oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it was on the uh, My Best Friend's Wedding soundtrack. And uh, that whole album, the movie was fine, but that album for some reason was very like, it just hit me at right at the right moment in high school. Uh, and I have a, I became obsessed with this song and uh, I have memories of um, Unrequited Love, which uh-huh. was most of high school for me. <laughs> uh, I Not had, even from your teachers. <laughs> I mean, I had a good relationship with my teachers, probably better than with other students. Uh, Requited love. <laughs> I had friends over at my house. Um, my parents must have been out of town. Oh my God, I'd, this would be such a powerful song if you're in love with someone and they don't love you back. And I was. This would, like, this would rip you apart. His name was Nick. Uh-huh. There's a good chance. I mean, I I don't know if people from high school are ever going to listen to this. Get this to Nick, everybody. If <laughs> I could have a chance with Nick again, <laughs> I you know what? I think my husband would be fine with it. <laughs> my 17-year-old heart would be full. You don't know me. But I I remember friends in my house. We were probably drinking like. Uh, Spike Shirley Temples and eating grilled cheese sandwiches. That's what we did a lot. And I got sad about Nick mm. and went and sat in my Volvo station wagon in uh, my driveway. The best. Uh, and I would just listen to this on repeat. And shy, I let my chance go by. A chance that you might look the good thing to come out of this is I fell in love with this song and then a few years later realized Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies realized that this is on the soundtrack or in the background of a scene where they're dancing in a gazebo oh, in Groundhog Day but this it's version? this version yeah. yeah the Ray Charles version but on so I this is pre being able to find anything you want on the internet right. so I went to great lengths to find the Groundhog Day soundtrack hoping to find it which is very hard to find it's not a yeah. very well known soundtrack yeah that's not like the reality bite soundtrack where it was marketed as its own thing exactly and side two is just him getting better at the piano <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it was just instrumental oh okay so I still didn't have it it took me years to find this oh, version oh kind of cool 
and because I didn't even know, like, there was no Shazam. I couldn't. I, I'm yeah. sure there was ways of finding it out, but like, I guess it I'm definitely not was way trickier pre Napster to find those kind of like, yeah. oh, I caught this on the radio for ten seconds. What yeah. is it? You'd have to go to the right record store. Like, there's yeah. I remember and, there was like a right record. Yeah, you store. would need like the for real record nerd. Yeah, and I couldn't find it. I finally found it, and it's like it. It's my favorite. Oh God, that must have been so it. great when you found it. So and it's rewarding. such a beautiful song. Yeah. And so I, I, it's still like one of my favorites. And Nick, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave a note at UCB Franklin. For- uh, Rach, this, that album, uh, Modern Sounds uh, in Country and Western Music, mm-hmm. is, uh, I actually don't know a ton about it. It's a very seminal album, which like some people would know a lot about. But what I do know is it's like that Ray was you know, R&B soul singer and, and pop singer. And he's like, oh, I love country songs. I want to do an album of country songs, but I'm going to yeah. do them my way. So great. And it is such an amazing album because he reinvented all of these tunes in his own style. A lot of them got better. Uh, or a lot of them are just kind of cool in a new way. Like, um, I think it's Bye Bye Love on that album. Um, no, but, uh, oh, I Can't Stop Loving You is the, mm-hmm. is yeah, the big Yeah, that's the big one, yeah. And it's... It's, you know, his voice is so perfect. And um, I feel like I wish more people would do that where they'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a musician and I and I am known for this style, but I appreciate this other style and I'm going to show my audience how to like these songs. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's always fun, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Except for the ones where it's like, let's make this loungy. Uh, I'm very. I'll, you know what? You're probably right, but if it's a lounge expert, if it's like Wayne Newton's going to lounge it up, I'm like, sure, well, but you've, earned, <laughs> you've earned the right. But I is it ever? No, no, it never works. No, it's just bad covers of yeah. people trying to slow things down. I guess. <laughs> I guess I would. I liked it like when Run DMC did Walk This Way or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's like, great. Yeah, like the, we're a hip hop group in early hip hop when it was really just beats and and rhymes, and they're like we love this song and yeah. we're going to yeah. do it. Yeah, tributes. I'm on board for most. But I mean, the, I guess it, but it was a reinventing. Like yeah, it, it yeah. Re, the song is great in the original form, and they reinvented it. It I was think. a rap anyway, and a kind of great. Yeah, way. yeah. Uh, that was like a cool. This I love when that happens. Yeah, like my dream would be like if Jay Z did a country album. Like that'd be insane. <sighs> that would be insane. It would be, be insane. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce, if Beyonce just um, Beyonce would slay it. Like if she did like "Stand by Your Man" or something like that, it would go to like number negative mil. It would be so high in the charts <laughs> there'd be no number for it. Speaking of Beyonce, the person I know who <laughs> mostly rep- uh, resembles Beyonce is Will Hines. Hey, is our guest <laughs> yep. today? Our first, our premiere, our flagship guest of. Uh, this particular album is very, very important to me. Uh, Thanks for having me. This you, particular guest is this particular, very, very important <laughs> This particular guest is the first, first guest. Um, uh, so, Will Hines, what is yeah. your album? Please? My album is uh, Exile in Guyville by Liz Fair. All right. P-H-A-I-R. Came out in 93. And um, it's I love the it. anniversary. Yeah. I have loved it since it pretty, pretty soon after it came out. And, um, and I've loved it over the years through different times of my life. And I've watched it kind of occupy a different place in sort of like the collective knowledge of my friends. Like there was a while where it was like a mixtape favorite and then kind of a revered album. And then I think it's kind of vanished. I think people do not listen to this album the way they listen to other sort of big albums of the early 90s. And I don't I think it's awesome. And I think people are missing out and they should hear it. Ooh, track one. Track one. The song's called Six Foot One. Mm-hmm. 
did say this, but I don't know the validity of it. This was a almost a, as a writing exercise, at least a response to Exile in Main Street. Yeah, I don't uh, buy that. You don't buy that. That was she says that. Yeah, and that has always been said, but I don't buy it. I think that was Liz Fair's super smart and funny and cool, and I think she realized. That would be a funny thing to say, and mm-hmm. she kind of retroactively decided that's what she did. Yeah. And sort of has fun making, presenting this yeah. as a tough solo girl artist response to a boy band of the early 70s. Yeah. Yeah. But I. I, I do want to buy it myself. It's a uh, cool idea, but. Yeah. It doesn't. It, the first track works, and then it falls apart. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that holds up. But that is what people. That's that's what she says. She says this is a song by song response to Exile on Main Street. Now, can I shamelessly give you the context in which I first heard this? Yeah, and that's it's going to involve yeah, I'd like me. to go around with, yeah. that, with that. Yeah, it's going to be like making assumptions that are like may- maybe not absolutely true for everybody. But in '93, so I was I graduated college in '92, and I had only recently started exploring like lots of music. I had I'd kind of been unadventurous in high school about that, but in college I met people who introduced me to cool stuff and like. So, and this is right after Nirvana exploded. So, like, the whole thing of, like, indie music is still, like, an alternative music is a real, like, potent term. Yeah. It, it, it hasn't yet been watered down. And if you're, like, a white kid in suburban Connecticut, which I was, you hadn't heard anything except for huge radio hits. I hadn't heard the Pixies, even though they were almost broken up. I hadn't heard, like, My Bloody Valentine. Right. Things we now know that were going on at that time, I didn't know. It was U2, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. R.E.M., uh, like Billy Madonna, Joel. Madonna, Billy yeah. Joel, Billy Michael Joel. Jackson, like, and uh, you know, it's it's that need to seek it out. It, there's so much that's presented to you, yeah. which is fine for a while. Yeah. And this was when radio was so. I guess it still is. I don't even know what the state of radio is. Today, but <laughs> no, it's, it's totally like, different. I mean, like the internet is democratized. <laughs> Joel things. launching into something <laughs> and interrupting. Here we it go. <laughs> So indie was like, it was an exciting time where it was very common for someone to hand you a band and be like, these guys are great. And you'd be given it and they were great. And you couldn't believe you'd never, like the Pixies or something. Yeah. You couldn't believe you'd never heard it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so somebody hands me this Liz Fair album and I'd never heard of her. And I and I think today, if you listen to it, her, her voice like isn't super strong. She's got kind of a low monotone, mm-hmm. monotone voice. It doesn't overwhelm you with like power the way like a, some voices can. Yeah. She she's got a good sense of melody, but the melodies are pretty narrow. It's more about the words and the style. Mm-hmm. But there were no cool indie girl songwriters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's become such a thing. But this is before Alanis Morissette. This is before Courtney Love had a big hit. This mm-hmm. is before PJ Harvey broke in America. Maybe even in England. Maybe it was simultaneous. But I didn't know who PJ Harvey was. There, um, there was definitely a need for her. Yeah. Even like there wasn't the, like the even like piece. Joan Osborne like the God song she did or whatever. That was late nineties though. Yeah. I feel like that was yeah yeah. So it's like who's this girl on an indie label with a guitar 
writing her own songs. Like that, that was a cool uh, part of the story. And fortunately or unfortunately, and this caught my eye because I was just a a man in my twenties. She's a babe. She's very cute. And she, it was like sexually provocative. Mm -hmm. Like, but um, she loved it. She loved being sexy. Like her video, she would like be flirting with the camera. I mean, she looked like she was having a blast. She just owned it. I mean, every single song is just owning everything. And it's, it's really, it feels, it's a really powerful album. Yeah. Let's, I think, can we skip, ahead and then come back because I'm going to play the first song that I heard. So this yeah. guy, so I worked at a newspaper and I was a reporter and the guy who reviewed music Speaking said, of Dying Industries, yeah. Dying Industries, <laughs> yes. The guy who reviewed the albums came over to me and said, you'd love this album. Gave me the list fair when he said, listen to the song Fucking Run. That's the first one I ever heard. This song was... Uh, Put on a mixtape for me yeah. when I was in high school by my sister, who introduced me to so much music, and I loved this it's song. So cool. It's so good. So like, she's this cool badass guitar playing indie songwriter, but she's bemoaning wanting a boyfriend, and she's the kind of person where, if you're a, if you're a guy and you're listening to this, you, you might normally think like, oh, it's another girl whining about love. But when Liz did it, it's like, oh, she's just this is an incredibly personal album. She's just being honest and vulnerable. She doesn't give a shit mm-hmm. what, what what this does to your perception of her. She, it sounds so lo-fi and cool. Yes, it's like yeah. a gem that you think only you know. Yeah. It feels like it's she recorded it in your garage. Like yeah. it just feels you, like she's singing it to you. I felt yeah. it, a very strong connection oh, with yeah. this yeah. song. Guy or girl, you you relate to this idea of regretting giving over to somebody that you like and maybe doesn't like you back. Yeah. The I fact read, that it's called "Fuck and Run" yeah. is sort of like hilariously. Uh, rebellious. Yeah. yeah, it's very empowering. Like as a woman yeah. listening to it, then and now, the whole album, it just makes it so much easier to just be like, "Fuck you!" Like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Where were you when? Like, what what was going on in your life when there? this album came yeah, out? Yeah. Uh, I was. You're in your car. <laughs> <laughs> I was in junior high when this came out, so it, I was. I didn't know this. I think until I was, maybe I got it. This song late junior high but it's probably more likely high school a couple wow. years into it but Great. um i don't connect i connect to this more now th- than i would at, at that age. 13 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think what i connect so yeah. I, I wasn't a young girl when i heard this album or ever we don't ever want to make that assumption though yeah <laughs> that's right who knows what journey we've been on and where we'll go but no. what i related to was more just like i was living in my hometown i just graduated college in connecticut uh, Danbury, Connecticut, and n- just very frustrated with my options. You know, I like wanted to live in a big city. I wanted to do creative things, and it all seemed impossible. I was like, I'm never going to do it. Like, I'm not going to get out of here. I have no way to make money. I'm terrified. Nobody of my friends or family does anything cool. <laughs> I'm. What am I going to do? I'm stuck. And like indie music to me was like, hey. I don't know how, but it's like, look, we are these unknown people and look at the cool things we're doing. Like a Liz Fair album is not so intimidatingly complicated. Not that I wanted to be a musician, but it's like, 
she doesn't have this crazy voice and a huge band or mm-hmm. some and matador wasn't yet this right. cool label the label right. she was on but here she is being herself yeah and i was like oh if if i know these albums and they're kind of mine then i i am cool i'm as cool as these things like yeah. I, it, it made the world seem like possible i guess like yeah and and albums like the Pixies and the, all the alt stuff of the early '90s was sort of like, oh, the '60s are dead. I'm left out of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Dylan and James Brown. This is mine. This is mm-hmm. this is me. And there's people my age out there listening to this. And if I could get to New York City or get to Boston, I will find people who know this album, and we will be friends forever. <laughs> I love like, that. it. Was a really it was a deeply exciting album to me. Yeah. I was living in Minneapolis at the time. I lived there for about eight years, and I was just in a new... I grew up in Texas, and and living in Minneapolis was such a a culture and environmental shock. Uh, Exciting, too. Like, to be in one... Particularly Texas, like, where it's just... Everything is so Texas. Going up to Minneapolis was such an adventure. And this album came out in what year? 93. Yeah, that was the year I moved up. I moved to Minneapolis. Mm. So, and I got this, um, I would say as soon as I could, but uh, I remember probably reading about her in Rolling Stone. Yeah, she became mm-hmm. a journalist's favorite because she was so cool. Yeah. She also flirted with all the male reporters and they loved it. She would smoke <laughs> them up. I didn't Like know that. most Liz Fair interviews in the early 90s, like we, they would like, the reporter couldn't wait to tell you that they got stoned with Liz Fair. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, it was part of um, starting a new life, and I was I just graduated from college, and I it was I was in this new environment. And Minneapolis has an incredible music uh, indie scene, music yeah. scene. Um, so I felt I was listening. Uh, on top of just the fact that it's it's great, she's so clever, smart. I don't know, like she's and 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 also not. Um, so produced confident it, in how lo-fi it is yeah like, i don't need i don't need all those tricks yeah. and it's just very raw yeah it, it's raw emotion listen yeah. to her falsetto here yeah it, it's the whole album is very adventurous and fun where she's like i'm gonna sing this in a high falsetto I'm going to put, and other tracks will be like, I got a harmonica on this one. She's like a real music fan who's like, I'm just going to do everything I've wanted to do. That's a brutal line. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, I asked because I'm a cunt in spring. You can rent me by the hour. What a weird one to do in a high, pretty falsetto. I love songs that do that. That like sing songy, but are just brutal or mm-hmm. really cutting. Like it's my favorite. Yeah, I, I, I want to say again. Like you hear this album, you're like, this isn't meant for the radio. This is meant for me. And I, I also, I want to emphasize that like the this this era killed the 60s in a great way like in the late 80s when i was in high school music sucked in the 80s not indie hidden music but like 
radio music. It was like Hall and Oates and like Steve Winwood's comeback album and like and kind of uh, your your good stuff is like Michael Jackson and 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 maybe metal or something. But like yeah. U two and REM is exciting as it gets, and they and they all felt like '60s or '60s derivative bands. So these albums to me were definitely a code yeah. of like a new generation, and that that part has been lost. Like now, when people look at these albums, they they look at what influence they had later. Like they're like, oh, what did Pavement inspire? What did Nirvana mm, yeah. inspire? But we forget that they were killing giants. They were slaying Dylan. Like Dylan's oh. gone. We don't need Dylan. I have Liz Fair. Yeah, she's mine. Yeah, and I have I have Pavement. So I don't need. I don't know. I don't need like the Stones. And it's not that they're even better or worse. It's just that they're my age and well, it's relevant. Yeah, yeah, it, it's important to you. This was the single, I think. Uh, Never, Never said. said. Yeah, and it is great. It is like a good radio. I'm shocked that there even was a radio hit off of this. Yeah. There wasn't really any hit off this. Yeah, Minneapolis had some good stations that were like um, new music stations. And, you know, like they weren't uh, uh, non-profit radio stations. They were... They had a couple that were like, we're listening to new music, we're putting new music out there, as well as, you know, yeah. U2 and R.E.M. and all that stuff. And this was on their radio. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I remember seeing her on David Letterman, I think, oh, play really? the song. Yeah. I think she was on the one that was after that. There was some like, there was some like, really late show that you can find her singing oh. Six Foot One on. Maybe it was Conan? Uh, I think there was like an even later one, like Bob Costas or something. Like that. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. And like, and maybe she was also on Letterman or Conan or something. Yeah, but okay. I know there's footage on YouTube of her singing Six Foot One, and she's so scared because yeah. she was not. She was not a performer. She so didn't have a successful music career. She hadn't yeah. played like live a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's looking at her fingers on the stem. Yeah. They mixed the backup vocal on the drum too loud, so you hear him way more than her. <laughs> uh, but they adjust it like that feels very through. symbolic in some yes, way. Yes, yeah. totally. But and she's short. She's yes. like yeah. five foot something. In the, I think she says in the, the first song, in that it's five song, foot two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but I, it was like an event. It was like oh, Liz Fair is going to be on TV. Yeah. Like me yeah. and a couple of my friends from the newspaper. Like we got we got to watch. We got to see her. You put on your Who caps. Is she? Put on your news yeah, caps. Yeah, put on little you went caps. to the this theater. Scoop. Extra, extra, read out, everybody. Liz Fair is on television. I do think there's something so, uh, and maybe this is my old crankiness kicking in a little bit about. Uh, how earned these things felt like seeking these albums out and what it meant to you at the time everything is so accessible now I know this isn't the tried statement already but like it's it feels to have to seek out that like there's one performance of her singing six foot one on TV and you have it's impossible to find there's nothing like that I think that's why this album is not dated as well as some other things because I think people listen to it now and they're like oh it's kind of slow oh the guitar is kind of simple and I'm like, pretend that everything on the radio is 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 you two, mm. and and this cool indie lo-fi thing that you, the coolest person you know handed it to you on a cassette tape, mm-hmm. and now you're listening to it, and it you you get it a little bit more. I, I, I should point out that I love REM, I love you two, and those bands. The- yeah, I love all those guys too. But yeah. it's, it's just sort of like they were the mountains. They were the everybody. Everybody, you two belong to everybody. Yeah. Yes, I think that's the point. I think by that point, you two was playing stadiums, 
Um, R.E.M. was about to go on an arena tour in a couple of years. Um, they belong to everybody. And R.E.M. started as an indie band. In fact, when I first heard Exile and Guyville, I thought of... It, it, it felt f- familiar to me, like early R.E.M., like Chronic Town era. Those guitars and drums... Remember a friend, um, a woman named Marin, uh, that I was friends with in Minneapolis, uh, right around this time. She had she was she was really cool. She um, I was talking to her. I was like, "Have you heard Liz Ferris?" She goes, "Yeah, I actually do. I found this tape on the ground." That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, that is so fucking awesome. It's so earned. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a relate a love relationship. Yeah, it's like it's like you were saying. It's mine. It's yeah. mine now. Now um, I'm gonna. Play you. I love her lyrics. Uh, her lyrics, I think, still do hold up. So I want to find if we can if we can kind of yeah. narrow in on the second track. Uh, Help me, Mary. I think that has like my, some of my favorite words. Mm. I'm going to obnoxiously read. This is this, this is, is how everyone should listen to music. Yeah, it's the music in the background and With Will reading the lyrics over the words. <laughs> as it was intended. things in the sink They make rude remarks about me They wonder just how wild I would be As they egg me on and keep me I love that part. Me too. love that line I keep my mouth shut tight me too I I get it okay so I'm gonna read some of those now so it's it's vaguely about I, I don't know for sure but it sounds like it's vaguely about living like with asshole roommates or just with people in your life and you're trying to deal with them what whether or not that's true the little phrases she uses are so funny um so help me Mary please I've lost my home to thieves they bully the stereo and drink. They leave suspicious stains in the sink. <laughs> I think it's things in the sink. Um, they make <laughs> rude remarks about me. They wonder just how wild I would be. They egg me on, keep me mad, play me like a pit bull in the basement. That is all such a great Jesus. description of like, these assholes are fucking with me. Yeah. But then her response, I lock my door at night. I keep my mouth shut tight. I practice all my moves. I memorize their stupid rules. I make myself their friend and show them just how far I can bend. And it's, it's somehow, I was just like, this is the coolest song. It's just like, oh, I'm going to beat you at your own game. Like, yeah. you're going to think I'm your friend, but I will defeat you. Yeah. I'm smarter than you. Or just survive. survive. It yes, really yes. just seemed like they're just, yeah, yeah those are That's really I love the lyrics. line, I practice all my moves. Yeah. Like, it, it just, it's such a complicated idea said very quickly. Yeah. Um, and th- the end of the song is like, so help me, Mary, please temper my... Uh, oh God, what is it? Temper my something with whatever. Weave my disgust into fame. 
and watch how fast they run to the flame. That's how it ends. And they did. They did. And this she is, did become famous. This is famous a prophecy. That. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that, I mean, I keep my door locked at night, or I lock my door at night. You, I don't like, I mean, that's a yeah. very telling about mm-hmm. the time for mm-hmm. her. Yeah, and she, I think she writes that she she was, what what area of Chicago was she living in? She said it was just Wicker a, Park? Yeah, like she was it's surrounded like indie, by indie dudes. Scene. It's like <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins are transcendent yeah. and it's, and like Urge Overkill and like just a bunch of guys in bands. And I think she had, she dated guys in bands. Little did they know that cute little Liz Fair would surpass them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know, um, does she identify, uh, does she identify as a feminist? Like, it, does she have... I don't know. I, don't know. She's, I think she's the kind of person where she likes being her own. She keeps her own counsel and maybe doesn't like being anybody's advocate but her own. Yeah. And I could see her, I could imagine her being more of a contrarian than anything. Yeah. And right when you want her to be a feminist, she'd be like, fuck you. And then right when they're like, oh, she's not a feminist, she'll do Lilith Fair, which she did. Yeah. yeah she did, yeah. And then... This whole I, thing I, I think just she, feels like an anthem. It yeah. just feels really... She likes being her own, great. I think. This album has like songs that are deliberately sexually provocative and then some that are telling dudes to fuck off. But Some those could arrogant. both be feminist. I, I feel like she, I'm going to call her a feminist. Yes. She's listening, she, yep. yeah. which she is. <laughs> no, like I want to know. Visually, um, it was so uh, striking because of her five foot two stature holding a, not a big guitar, but it looks big on her. Mm-hmm. And front of the stage, it's just, I don't know. It was very, it's revolutionary in a way. And yeah. And again, pre, pre-Alanis, pre-Courtney Love, mm-hmm. uh, at this pre-No um, Doubt. Like, and there just weren't a ton of women fronting bands a woman in anything who, here. Who, who knows she's not, like, a um, incredible singer. She's um, an incredible lyricist, though. She's she is. a better lyricist but than almost anybody. I think that anybody. just takes so much balls that I don't have. Like, just oh, courage yeah. mm-hmm. that I don't have to... Uh, that, that just, it's, it just... It gave me inspiration driving around listening to that. Um that swagger I think I think it's a pride in being unique yeah and seeing it as a positive versus seeing it as a negative which I I should wish I could do more of going like this is my own unique voice it doesn't have to be up to the standard of everybody else or or what we expect good singers to be divorce song hmm Now, even though Never Said was the one that they, I think, slotted to be the single, this is the one I think that has survived. I think this album could come out right now yes. and have as big a success. Yes. yes. Then and now, but I don't know about in I between. I think you're right, yeah. I of my life just to prove I was right that it's harder to be friends and lovers and you I think that's love this so yeah early REM but with a singer you can actually hear understand <laughs> who puts herself out there with clarity and I think that's even more courageous to kind of be heard you know, I, this is, I'm going to make an audacious comparison, but you know in the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah, he's got the line, all I ever learned from love is how to shoot someone who outdrew you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this kind of simultaneously lovely and 
deeply cynical thought. Yeah. This song is like that to me. It's like, it's like two people who are hurting each other pretty badly. Like, if I'd known how that would sound to you, I would have stayed in your bed for the rest of my life just to prove I was right. Like, I'll stay married to you just to spite you that we will not be happy. Boxed it up and buried it in the ground. Boxed it up and buried it in the ground. Burned it up and thrown it away. And you put in my hand. A- it's amazing that this album can be so cynical and angry, but also feel so inspiring and yeah. positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an act of joy Heroic. that it's happening. Yes. Yeah. It's, it doesn't follow any rules. There's no like verse, chorus, verse, bridge. There's like a yeah. big harmonica thing at the end of this song, and there hasn't been a harmonica yes. on the album, I think. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, I like harmonicas. Let's do one. This album does feel like depression to me, too. Like, mm-hmm. not like, if, like the, this there's something about definitely. that monotone. Stick around until I was dead. I'm feeling very angry with myself. I'll I'll talk about this at the end too, but why I didn't pursue the rest of this album off of Just Fucking Run is beyond me because I think I would have... This would have been the perfect album for me in high school mm-hmm. and college mm-hmm. and my twenties <laughs> and my thirties. But like it's it's and getting to talk about it in this amount of depth right now is amazing because I'll keep listening to it. Yeah, and yeah. it'll connect. I, with every this. track is great. Every track is a is fascinating. And I will have a harmonica solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, that's like audaciously great. It'd be it'd be like Joel if you and I did an album and then we were like, you know what? Let's have a let's have. Uh, three girls do a call and response with hand claps because we like that in one song yeah yeah let's do that now or something I'll do my that. own album yeah I don't, I don't need you fuckers <laughs> well, I was thinking Joel and I, I broke Beatles, up the group Joel and I do a Beatles podcast so I was actually thinking of how the Beatles would throw hand claps in sometimes okay. I'm sorry Deb I didn't it didn't hurt my feelings you will know yeah I will play Leave Liz Bear when you hurt my feelings on, with a, holding a boombox up in the air outside of the apartment <laughs> So the two other, God, there's like five other ones I could do, but another, so Divorce Song, that one yep. we just listened to, that one I still, that's the one I hear most often, i.e. not that often, but I'll hear that brought up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like Pitchfork did their 500 greatest songs of the last X years, and Divorce Song was the one that made it into their list. Mm-hmm. Um, but the song Flower is just overtly a sex song. It's yeah. almost just like she's trying to shock you with how oh, yeah, vivid the, her words can be. It's so this good. This Blowjob Queen song, right? Yeah. This is the perfect one where it's so sung so sweetly and girly, and it's this like fierce woman. Yeah, every mm-hmm. time I see your face, I get all wet between my legs. Uh, every time you pass me by, I feel of something of pain. The only lyric I wrote down to talk about was from this song. And I'm not gonna say it. I mean, that line is so insane. It's so. <laughs> I wanna fuck you like a dog. I'll take, take you, you home, home and make, make you, you like, like it. it. Did you say I wanna fuck your minions too? Yes. yes. That's the part that elevates the song. I think. <laughs> uh, do I have minions? <laughs> and you're gonna fuck them to get to me? Did she know it was gonna be a popular movie? <laughs> Can she see the future? That's what happened to them. That's why they're all little yellow things. <laughs> I don't get it. No, they were people that got fucked into little <laughs> yellow, fucked them into yellow foam things. 
I definitely remember driving around Danbury with this song and then looking over my shoulder like, can anybody see me listening to this song? (laughs) You pull up and just stare at somebody. I'm just blushing driving around. (laughs) This again, I'm making up false memories from high school now because this feels like a song you roll down the windows and you blast it and then you make people uncomfortable as like two teenage girls in the car just going like, you don't like it? I'm going to make your dick blue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We we went by it, but there's a line that's like, you're probably shy and introspective. That's not part of my objective. Mm -hmm. I just want your something Jimmy ramming, slamming something in me or whatever. Well, this, these yeah. are the moments along with that. This got quoted a lot by the male yes. rock journalists oh, yeah. in the early 90s. It got 90s. my attention, that's for sure. So, uh, <laughs> But this is where I feel like there is, you can make the argument that it was response to exile, to Mick Jagger, just like that swagger, sexual, yes, yes, fo- yes. sex forward. Well, she's definitely a Stones girl. Like, yeah. she is an got that Rolling Stones vibe for sure. Well, even the fact, I feel like it's making a statement to the fact that like, if a man had recorded that song, it's not as big of a deal because that is what men say and everyone's like, okay. And then a woman saying it, it's shocking and crazy. And even today it's still shocking, but like it shouldn't be. Yeah. I don't know. Now, another song I want to play, this, this is not a heralded song on the album, but I sometimes think on your album filler tracks, you get to see what an artist is really made of, like what what they still have about them when they're not firing on all cylinders. So a song that I love is Stratford on Guy. And it's just these, I think she's just, it's it's about being stoned on an airplane, landing in Chicago. And it's groovy. And the turns of phrase are really fun. I don't think it means anything. They just has a good cadence to the words. Who is this again? (laughs) (laughs) Cross podcast joke. I do that. I think every Beatles. Yeah. I laughed, but I didn't get it. (laughs) I mean, I got it. Supportive. I think about it a lot when planes are landing over cities. I love this chorus, the guitar kicks in here. How often do you come back and listen to this album? It's constant listening. I hear it every once a month. Do you have people that you connected to in your life? I found nobody who liked this album for years and years. Um, no, I, I don't really. This is something that I... I th- one, a friend of mine named Kate Hess, uh, who was like on mod teams in New York and who's, uh, who's done stuff out here in LA, is the only person I know who like loved Liz Fair. Mm. Like we went to the concert in New York together like early 2000s and she sang a song we hadn't heard of and we like scrambled to figure out like what it was Hurricane Cindy how was the show? great by the early 2000s she had caught up like she had the early 90s were like a weird baptism for her of like oh my god I didn't think this was going to be a hit but by the early 2000s she had sort of like she was a lot more comfortable with it I like Girls Room a lot I don't know what album that's on but it's it's really good that's on her third album I got to see her in concert um, about seven years ago. I had the most amazing concert experience, and I went to Matador 
when they turned it was Matador oh, in, 25 in yeah in Vegas oh yeah uh, and it was like all of their all of the people on their label came and performed yeah. over a weekend and we stayed wow. at the Palms and it was a bunch of friends came we got to see like Ted Leo do like a song off with Fucked Up and it was I saw Bell and Sebastian new pornographers Oof, and it damn. was and everyone was just like hanging out too it was a really Jesus. cool cool experience yes. and I got to see Liz Fair and she sang Fucking Run and it was yeah. like this amazing like everything coming together kind of weekend yeah. and moment and um, she, it was great yeah. it was really fun I mean the whole thing but that whole concert experience like her coming is she still on Matador does anybody know uh, no. Yeah, like her, um, everybody she, She's kind of jumped around back. a lot and she's tried different tactics, which I, I get everything she does. And. You get everything she does? I mean, I, bought, I yeah, purchased yeah, yeah. and listened to. Oh, I thought you mean like everything she I does. Understand. I get I it. Guess. Oh, yeah. I get I, it. I, I don't get it. She makes a lot of moves where I'm like, I don't get it. But I, I like that she's always her own person. Like, she, she did her fourth album, she hired all of Avril Lavigne's songwriters. Yeah. She did a pop album. She seemed enthusiastic about it in, in interviews. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I liked how uncool it was. Yes. And that she was embracing it. Yeah. And they were, those are the songs, actually, those are the ones that people probably know. That's Why Can't I. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, there's another, it was another big one off that album. And and they were, they were, they were fine, but they didn't have the personal mark that, her first two albums did that I had initially become accustomed to. And it's hard to find that. I think once you get that initial like vomiting out of feelings, I, I don't know. I yeah. think it's so hard to recreate that or try to. She, I, her second I, album is a pretty faithful run yeah. of the same play yeah. and it yeah. didn't do as well. Yeah. And that, that was weird to me. I love this song. This is in the closing sequence of the movie 13. Hmm. And like this is, I think, the only time maybe maybe there's a few other times where there's a synth, like this warm, analogy drone. I'm sort of mesmerized by this driving around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I just realized I'm very excited for the time when we have a guest that picks an album that I hate. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what it would take to You're hear it like, through somebody else's lo- loving eyes yeah. or ears to go like, no, I still hate this. <laughs> yeah. Because I love this and I've fallen more in love with this. Yeah, me too. Over the course of this hour. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I mean, she worked with a producer, Brad Wood, who plays bass on it. They were they were really good partners. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he was able to let her be her, but maybe add suggestions that made the album sound fuller than it might have. Yeah. He plays bass, and the bass is great on this album. Let's play a little bit of Mesmerizing real quick. Yeah. If I could play guitar... This one and uh, Stratford on Guy would be the two that I would play. Of all songs ever? Uh, the, the, of yes, the album. Yes, that'd be it. <laughs> huh? 
of all the songs he that get that he gets. <laughs> and, I, and I get it. Like I get it. Like you maybe don't get it, Deborah, but like I get it. Oh yeah. This is kind of stonesy too. I'm gonna try to not do that as much on this podcast as to just start referring to other bands mm. in the middle of the... <laughs> Everything is stonesy. <laughs> so have you listened to Stonesy's jukebox? <laughs> the 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 gist of this song is something like I want to be compelling to somebody which I love. Like I want to be mesmerizing to you. Yeah. I think somebody with a huge voice should cover this song, and mm. I think it would own. Yeah. Do you feel like, maybe you said this already, do you connect with this album, like, as a whole, and uh, you said, it, like, the time and all that stuff, do the lyrics, like, yeah. do you, like, listen to the song and go, yeah. like, I want this also, yes. or did you at any point? I do really. I mean, it's it's very classically a girl's point of view album but I relate to every song yeah who I mean anybody who has felt like to me this song is saying like no you you wanted me why did that stop yeah you fuck you like you're lying you're lying yeah and it's irrational and angry and uh I get it yeah Uh, there's a shamelessness I I her and Morrissey to me are the two people who are like I take my own side 100% of the way and I don't apologize for it and it makes me be like, oh, I wish I, I wish I advocated for myself as passionately as Liz is advocating for her own side here. Yeah, I'm always like, oh, I'm probably partly wrong, and I, uh, I, I should be sympathetic. Liz is like, no, mm. you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a. I guess all these songs are pretty lo-fi, but to me, they fill up in my head. I, yeah. I can feel a full version of yeah. it. Yeah, totally. With all of the time in the world to spend it, is that what she says? Wild and unwise. I want to be mesmerizing too to you. <laughs> I love so it. Good. It's so cool. The drums are so in the back for most of this album. They're not like overpowering anything. Yeah, and you can't even hear the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's there. Hand claps come in here, I think. Do you tend to listen to this from start to finish when you do it? Or are you saying you skip shuffler, songs? But I'll yeah. skip around. Any other songs you want us to... Uh, you could do Girls, Girls, Girls. That's a very girly ah, song. Oh, yeah, Motley Crue? Got it. Yeah, play the Motley Crue song. <laughs> oh, just like, yeah, any songs you're asking for? <laughs> this one is something like, I get away every day with what the other girls call murder. Hmm. And I think that's fun to say. Yeah. <laughs> her demo was like just this, just like her and a guitar. I'm very happy I have this album now. Yeah. I didn't have it before this. Do you want to um, talk about... Uh, what we learned today? Yeah. Okay, so this final segment is uh, just called What Did We Learn Today? 
Okay. And uh, just anything over the uh, the length of time that we've been communicating um, <laughs> that struck you. I think for all I can go first is that, and it doesn't have to be about uh, Liz Fair. It could be about anything that mm-hmm. we talked about. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I introduced myself as Deborah. But most <laughs> yes, people call me yes. Deb. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Maybe I've you guys learned that, learned that do you, today. Do you prefer what is? Walk me through that. I don't know. I've always been Deborah, and then at UCB somehow it I became <gasps> really? Deb. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, Nick Deb is a nickname. Never Debbie. Never yeah. Debbie. Right. Debbie will veto, but Debbie will accept. Yeah, and it just kind of has become. I think it's because people can spell it without any issue. Because mm. my name is D E B O R A H. My last name is tough. Um, so it's a it's a mouthful. The full name I like it, but so I like either. But it, it's very hard for me to introduce myself as Deb. Mm. I have to introduce myself as Deborah, mm. so it always feels like I'm correcting somebody if they introduce me as Deb. But it's just habit. I, yeah. I can't. You, anybody can call me Deb, but it's not how I'll. I'll always introduce myself as Deborah. Ah, gotcha. I like that. That's I not what I learned, though. I've known that about myself. <laughs> but if I'd known how that would sound to you, I usually like the more formal, yeah, incarnation of a name. I called you William when you walked in. That's right. I don't even know if you are a William. I am a William. I don't mind it. Willie, I was. I don't. I can't really go with it. It's no. too silly. And you're, uh, you're Jolathan. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you learn? Uh, that uh, Liz Fair lyrically is far more specific, and there's there's a bigger book here than I realized. Um. And I can't wait to um, listen to this with better ears or more, um, I don't know, open ears to it. I can't wait to start mining through it again. Mm, I like that. Uh, mine are all almost always, I realize this already, will be personal life lessons I've learned from myself. Because <laughs> I in um, the song that I picked and this album, both are just single songs that have been very meaningful me into my uh, in my life. Yeah. And I never pursued the rest of that Ray Charles album. Mm-hmm. I just was satisfied with that song. I was just satisfied with Fuck and Run. I never pursued the rest of this mm. album. I think I'd heard it, but yeah. it was not. Uh, it, this album could have been very, very important to me, um, but I never pursued it. So I think it's, I've always known this about myself. I've always taken a little bit and then been like, that's that's great. But I, uh, I want to go back and see what other songs I've taken like one of to see. Because yeah. I, I know... Uh, I would love other Ray Charles songs and I'd probably love that whole album. Just never went after it. So that's my, I learned that I would like to go after it more. Yeah. Um, I learned that I'm going to get that uh, new Pornographers album. Mm. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that right away. That's great. That, I think Brill Bruisers is almost a complete every song. Soup to Nuts great. Oh, not a lot of filler on that album. Nice. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening, listeners. Thank you. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you to my guest, Will Hines. My pleasure. Will, you're great. Thanks for having me. Thank uh, you, Deborah. You picked a great Huge. album. Thank you. Thank you to Debbie. <laughs> Jolathan? <laughs> we will talk about this later. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on this particular album. It's very, very important to me. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at this particular album. The show is produced by Joel Spence, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by Anna Salinas. Music by Joel Spence. See you next time. Campfire.